You are listening to the Business RPG Podcast, a show where you can learn from successful nerds and find the tools that you need to grow your nerdy business or project. We are rated five stars on Apple Podcast by Sean Jimmy, who says, I absolutely love this podcast series. It's put together incredibly well. I can't believe you just started. Sounds like Isaac has been doing this for years. Sean, thank you so much for the kind words. Fun fact about me, I did radio for five years while I was going to college. And it's something that I would love to get back into, but there are just no radio stations around where I live hiring right now. So, in the meantime, this is a podcast that I'm very passionate about. It will not be going away anytime soon, and I love hearing from fans like Sean. Speaking of Apple Podcasts, if we can get one more review on there, I'll be able to release the bonus episode I've been hinting at. It's another 45 minutes of content with our last guest from coffee.exe. We talk about marketing, we talk about what I can be doing differently with my channel and social media. If you would like a behind-the-scenes look at the show, or if you feel you would benefit from hearing advice from a marketing coach like I did, then go over to the Apple Podcasts and leave a review. If you haven't yet, it means that you are the one person we are waiting on, so hop on. Speaking of coffee.exe, the winner of last week's coffee giveaway competition was, pause for dramatic effect, swankillicus.definition on Instagram. Congratulations, you will be getting a free bag of coffee.exe coffee, and I'll be messaging you shortly to get details on where to send it and what brew you are wanting. If you would like to be involved in the next giveaway, you can follow me on Instagram at businessrpg, where I will post details as soon as I decide what to do for another one. That's about all the housekeeping I have right now, so let's talk about this week's episode. If you are trying to build a following around your brand or project, you can benefit a lot from the power of referral. A lot of times networking comes down not just to who you know, but also to who the people you know have in their own network as well. This is a lesson I learned from today's guests, Joanna and Ravella. They are the founders of dnd.research. Yes, you heard me correctly. I use the terms D&D and research in the same sentence. No more petty squabbles over what gaming play style is most popular or what platforms are most effective. We now have an objective source of data that has been collected to prove what play style is the best and most enjoyable in all TTRPG playing depending, of course, on how you define the words best and enjoyable. In all seriousness, though, I had a great time hearing about their project and their work, but I also had a lot of questions for them about how they collected their data and made the sample group that they work with. The network they built and how they did it is amazing and something you can definitely learn from if you are trying to build a following around your product, whether it is something that you're trying to do face-to-face or whether it is something on social media you're trying to build a following behind. They have some great tips, they have some great tactics, they have some great information, and you're very much going to get a lot out of this episode. I know that I did. If you are enjoying these podcasts, please remember to pause right here and find the follow or subscribe button wherever you are listening. And now that that's out of the way, let's go to the interview. So what is the official name for what you're doing? There's no official title. It's just D&D Research. It's the name we came up with that made most sense. Like we previously talked about, we are a group of NYU students coming together or now expanding beyond the NYU students, just coming together with different goals and then different specific like interest in TTRPG and tabletop gaming. And then we wanted to put our strengths together to researching the topic and hopefully uh, creating this collective data that would help everyone uh, different study purposes. Where did this idea come from exactly? Because I'll, I'll give you a little bit of my, my background and I have nothing on you guys. I got my degree in psychology. My last semester was just flat out. You have to research this. You have to research that. You have to do your own research, do a mock example of what everyone else going off to get their master's is going to be doing. So the amount of work that goes into an accredited study is, I'm going to say, ridiculous. To some people, it may just sound normal, but to me, it's it's huge. So where did this idea come from? Yeah, uh, I guess the real question is how far back do you really want us to go uh, in terms of our background? Because uh, we once interviewed a dungeon master. We made the mistake of saying, tell us about yourself and your D&D experience. And the answer we got, the first sentence was, I was born in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just went on for an entire hour just nonstop of speaking of his experience as exposure to D&D. So I just like, uh, depends on how far you want to go. But uh, to answer your question quickly is that the D&D research idea really comes from my personal 
thesis in 2019, uh, where uh, Rival and I actually study in the same graduate program at NYU, uh, which is uh, we study the educational technology. And I specifically focus on studying games used for educational purpose, so games for learning. And I started my thesis by really examining like how people learn from each, each other in the D&D community. I found that was extremely interesting. And then when the pandemic hit, I decided to also track how players have it changed throughout the pandemic. And then that's why we started doing a series of interviews and surveys to figure out, okay, how has people's like, you know, creativity change? How do they interact with each other in the pandemic? And then, so we started with the 260 people survey, and then we follow up with a hundred uh, plus Dungeon Masters interview. Each interview lasts 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, th this year we just did a thousand people survey as well. So that's kind of like uh, where it started. It really started from my personal thesis. And then uh, for example, each person in our team kind of has a different area of interest and different passion. For example, Rival's uh, thesis is more focused on researching role play and then like psychology behind that role play. So Rival can talk more about her thesis, but uh, my interest of this D&D research really just from academic study. And they expanded to something further and further and beyond that. And 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 Ravella, yours was yours. So yours is parallel, but this these are technically two different research uh, research theses that you are each working on with the same project. Yeah. So like Joanna's a little ahead of me in the program. So mm -hmm. basically, um, I feel like D and D is such a pervasive like cultural phenomenon, especially with people that come Huge. to the yeah, especially people that come to the games. Um, educational games kind of uh, graduate programs. Um, so I feel like every year in our program, there's at least one D&D related project. So um, we kind of like uh, decided um, that we wanted to build on one another's. And um, there are other people kind of doing uh, similar research and the research is expanding. The idea is that we've kind of joined forces. So essentially the first surveys and things last fall were more focused on sort of tools related uh, to D&D and players. And um, th this year, because we did want to do follow up this fall with the survey, um, we included additional questions that were relevant to what I'm studying, which is more about the effects of role play and how role play impacts games. And then also how it, those things can be extrapolated for either therapeutic purposes, or also just in terms of like other areas of life, because anyone that talks about D&D loves to talk about how it's impacted their uh, day to day <laughs> and outside of uh, just playing. Yeah. And then like my specific interest in now, uh, currently this year is really about like creative tools and tools of the future. Like imagine how D&D is going to evolve in, for the future generation. And then like we're already using so many creative tools to engage our imagination and what's in, what's next to come is kind of what my interests are. And then we also have other people on the team who are interested are a little bit different. People who are more interested in data visualization. And then, then there's people who interest more on automatic generate uh, environment and terrains for people. That's another another interest of another team member. So like it just all we, we together come together in, in like, you know, just combined forces of working on something that's cooler and yeah. Also, I think like recently we've been talking with some uh, some people uh, who found us who uh, are in Canada and uh, they, they are studying for their PhD in psychology. And so they're interested in some of our earlier research which, which dealt with sort of personality and the personalities of different DMs. So um, we're exploring like expanding to that as well. How big is your team? Is it just the two of you or is it all these other people that you've mentioned? Each semester it changes. So uh, we also have undergrad students in, on the team. And then they're they're basically the only joint usually for one semester. For example, if they're, they're doing a specific course in a certain area and they wanted to do D&D research and use some of the research data for their study, they can join for a semester. So it kind of come and go. Usually we have about four to five people on the team. Um, I think largest we had is six. What What are the things that really stick out to you? Because I've ever since I've seen this project, I've been curious what it looks like from your side. I'm seeing bits and pieces. I'm seeing charts with online play and age. I'm seeing 
D&D versions. What is interesting to you on your side of, of the uh, social media wall? Something you have to keep in mind is that this research began in the fall of 2019. So inadvertently, um, since this is a year-long project, we ended up capturing the drastic shift that happened in early 2020 as a result of the pandemic. So originally, like Joanna said, she was very interested in creative tools, but the project evolved into so much more because we captured a lot about the impact the pandemic has had on the gaming community. And so considering that time period, uh, the research has been like quite um, significant. The thing that we've heard the most about it was a lot of what we're doing just sounds like common sense to people. And so we actually find that very reassuring that the findings are aligning with people's expectations. So that's been cool. And then Joanna, I don't know if you want to speak more specifically about some of the findings. Yeah, um, obviously, like Rival said, one of the the cool thing about this research is the timing of it, which really captured how people changed during the pandemic. So uh, one of the things is in 2019 fall, before the pandemic, we surveyed how many people play online. And then basically, we uh, I think the percentage is about 45% of people said they have never played online game before in their life. And then this year survey, when we did it in November 2020, uh, about only 8% of people said that they have never played an online game. So that's the hugest change and impact. You see how people are so flexible. And then because the fair side of not being able to play D&D is way worse than the hurdle of trying a new technology or trying something uh, online. Even before when we surveyed in 2019, people were like, nah, I don't think I'll ever try online. Like I'll wait out like when the pandemic hits in April, we interview people. They're like, yeah, it's going to be over in a couple of months. I'll, I'll, I'll just like, you know, go back to my in-person game. And then that didn't happen. All of a sudden, you see that huge increase in online tools usage like D&D Beyond and then, uh, Fantasy Ground, all those softwares, Roll20, all ex- exploded with users. And because people wanted, one, there's the old users who used to play in person, wanted to go online. And then two, there are, new players who got bored in pandemic, what can you do that your friends introduce you to D&D? So that's kind of like the a huge increase. You see people changing interest. And then that really made our int- uh, research much more interesting to capture the change, how people thought about technology before, how people th- thought about technology after. And all those this little changes we, we found uh, extremely interesting. If you want to know another big finding is we we ask people about like, you know, what do you see technology is in five, next five years, 10 years, 25 years, right? And then a lot of people talk about this idea of this holographic image. You can just like, like in Star Trek, like yeah. all the geeks, like, you know, we watch those shows. And so I wrote the article actually about like how science and uh, science fiction and science and then like kind of all the intervention intertwine each other because like they're all intertwined right because like we see something on tv oh that's cool let me develop that so or i develop something and then the science fiction authors say hey that's interesting let me write about it in the future Uh, what's going to develop in the future well everybody's talking about this holographic image kind of sign for the future tabletop uh, which i think is very easy to achieve in the near future for us it's not as far as some people think but of course, people have a lot of very, re- really realistic concerns about using technology for tabletop games. One is the cost, and one is the, you know, the isolation, the learning curve. Will it be more like a video game? Will that play player? Will that affect player agency? All those questions are very important questions. We're exploring and see what kind of technology will solve those problems, enhance those rather than hindering people's play. So that's another interesting area we're going into. And then we also earlier in the year, we also did a division between personality of the players and DM where compared to their play style and compared to their preparation time and all those. Um, So we have huge amount of data. Like we said, we have like a, a, a hundred hours of recording of people talking about D&D wow. and they need to parse through all of those. Yeah. 
I think when I first started this project with Joanna, because I came on in February and she started this in September um, of last year, I, I would say that I was a little concerned because Joanne, I was a newer player to um, the D&D world. I've kind of dabbled here and there since 2009, but not consistently. Joanna herself has, has been a DM for what, like seven years? I, I think like there was a lot of times where Joanna was like, oh, I, I, this is exactly how I feel about my game and my DMing. And, you know, this is, and she would use herself as this example of things. And I was like, Joanna, like this is research, like through <laughs> this, like through, you know, testers and people. And as we continued the research, I realized it, like she embodies the average of like the, the people we were talking to. And so oftentimes it was very cool to see how the intuitiveness that she possesses for this, just being a DM herself, how that aligns with like the overall research. Cause now we've spoken with like thousands of people and it's pretty consistent how, how I, I've been finding like her insights with, you know, the actual data. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. And I think it gives us a really unique sort of window. Like I'm, I'm kind of embodying the newer player and she kind of embodies the more seasoned one. And between the two of us, it, it's been interesting to see how it seems like such common sense to people, but it's, it's almost, it's just very, very reassuring to see that the research direction and the feelings that people have are quite universal. And I think that's a particular piece. So when it comes to how we're approaching the research with technology, I think being players and DMs ourselves, we really, really understand the concerns and we really, really understand the topic. And so we want to kind of give it its respect, especially because people have strong feelings um, in, in these areas and are, are just hoping to have that like social uh, feeling that they used to get from D&D because ultimately it is like a social outlet. That's fascinating because I mean, back, back to, back to the whole Instagram where I first saw you guys, that there's this whole community that's being built and you're the first ones approaching it that I've seen from an academic standpoint of oh here's the hard objective data on what's going on in this little niche that that's exploded i mean it, it was in my opinion it was growing before covid but now pff, this is not like anything else that i've seen or sat in on in my extremely limited experience where you can empathize with the sample yeah yeah and that that's also like a dangerous line like academically right because every time i talk to an advisor or someone was like, oh, beware of bias because you you are part of the community. So you have a pre-presumed, like assumed bias and you are going to persuade yourself, say this is the way when maybe your data may show you differently. So I was really worried about that. I was quite concerned about it. But like, like Rival said, my intuition was actually quite correct when compared to the data, which is very, very reassuring for me, <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, very, very like, you know, difficult path doing a, a research, like you said, like being both the subject of the research and also doing the research, you have to sometimes just like step out and say, okay, I'm not a DM in this, I'm just a researcher. I want to look at the data objectively. Let me ask you something. How fresh is the coffee you are drinking right now? Do you know just how long it was sitting on the shelf at the supermarket or in the back room at the coffee shop before it got to your mug? If they can't guarantee freshness, then maybe you should buy from someone who can. That's where coffee.exe comes in. If you have listened to my last interview, you know just how particular they are about where their coffee comes from and about how it is made. They are on a mission to bring freshly roasted coffee to nerds and gamers everywhere. If you want coffee that is fresh or if you just want to support the show, then follow my links in the show notes below and look at their large catalog and order yourself a fresh bag of coffee. Coffee.exe. Definitely fresher than Walmart. How hard was it to get this approved? Was it just you walked up and it was whatever was there they were going to approve for a research project? Luckily, in my program, someone else a year before me already did the D&D related research. His is more he's creating a new game, like a new source book, but, but it's a little bit different research. Uh, more on embassy and things like that with role play and characters. So, so it's not like a new thing to suggest, but at the same time, I'm suggesting studying a totally different area. I'm saying, hey, I want this creative tool. And they're like, but our program is about learning. 
are you studying about learning, <laughs> like education? Like, so then I have to really kind of talk about, I'm not just studying about the ND, I'm talking about how the community learn from each other, how to build a learning tool, how to separate, make things easier for new learners to learn the ND. That's another area I kind of adapt into because I just wanted to explore all the educational aspect of it as well. So there's definitely some convincing to do, uh, but it's like where you have a strong passion, you know you're going to succeed because you're so passionate about this area. I feel like you have to be passionate about your research to last year-long researches, doing interviews and doing all the notes and analyzing all the data for hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. With that many people and that many hours, for sure. Yeah. And I think I just I just want to add on to that. You mentioned your background is in psychology. Um, some of my background also is in psych. And there are differences with the type of research we're conducting. So when it comes to certain types of approvals and things, they don't necessarily apply in the same way. And the process is a little bit different than the traditional like psychology psychology type approach just because it is a combination of education and design. And so the research was easier to get approved because some of the requirements for IRB that are very, very strict in psychology don't really apply as much to what we're doing specifically. And so that was uh, very insightful, especially because our program is quite dynamic with how it approaches education mixed with technology. And there are um, different standards. And I don't, I don't really think this, this is exactly this, but when I was speaking to my professor, some of what we're doing qualifies as what's called design-based research. And so DBR um, falls under kind of different categories. That's why we had the flexibility that we did with how we're doing this. Has, has anyone else reached out to you guys? Like not just other academics, but has, has anyone else in like the gaming sphere or Wizards of the Coast or anyone else reached out and tried to connect the dots with you? Not yet. We're hoping. <laughs> we're, we're, we're waiting for them to come to us to, to tell, tell them more, more about our research. I mean, most of our research are pretty open, but we do have like a lot of untapped like data that we're not sharing we, or we just couldn't have the time to analyze it on, on that skill. But yeah, so we, we are definitely hoping to have more people to ask us about our research beyond just academic research. And it's like, this is a neat academic research area, but this is also think about business opportunity because we, one of the things we did was actually ranking all the tools that people currently use, like row 20, fantasy, all, all the tools people use incarnate. And then like basically ranking what people think about how usable it is, how easy to use it is, and what would they use this tool exactly for. Like, you know, Row20 is pretty comprehensive. It has a lot of features, but are people actually using all their features and what feature are people not using and then what they truly think about it, uh, how they do they compare to other competitors. We do have those data, but like I'm sure they also do their own research. So I'm not sure how this could apply to any of the in terms of you know business sense. But but we we were just like very curious about it, and uh, you know I I think we had fun analyzing those data. But like we don't have an ultimate like business motive to this kind of sign. Uh, it's more academic based and uh, for academic. Yeah. And I mean, if I could just add on to that, I, I've kind of hinted at this earlier, but part of our program at NYU requires us to consider potential design solutions to the problems we uncover from the research. My background is in psychology and also in user experience. In particular, um, there there is uh, stuff within the design world where it is similar to medical in that you uh, design with the data in mind. So basically, like to make something truly easy to use and usable and um, user friendly and helpful, you kind of have to take into account empathizing with the audience. And um, in this case, you know the research that we've collected from players and DMs. Some of the end goals for this research, other than that, are to continue building this community, like you said, that didn't previously exist in this space. But we also want to continue to share this research and publish within that community, but also encourage others to contribute. And we've seen that happening where people are finding um, snippets of information on blogs uh, run by Wizards of the Coast. They do like quarterly, annually, you know, things and then on reddit and other things and they kind of data scrape things together taking what we've we've given them in terms of raw data and mixing that with what they could find and then positing like additional questions so 
I, I would say it's really cool to see how this is growing and how we're empowering others to do this. But like we've talked a lot about tools, we do want to apply our research towards building these innovative tools designed within the community for our community in mind. And so I would say we have like additional uh, follow up projects that are in the works that are super, super exciting and some additional like community engagement initiatives. You know, we're just very, very passionate. And part of this is we want to improve our own our own games as much as everyone else's. <laughs> can, can you share any of those up and coming projects with the podcast or is that top secret? need to know <laughs> we can share some top secret ones with you because yes. <laughs> you're awesome so so <laughs> yeah you get the scoop uh so one thing that we really haven't talked a lot to a, a lot of people yet is that uh i've been building uh something that is a augmented reality application for dnd tabletop and that's a basically uh actually a modular terrain builder kind of concept so you just drag and drop any elements you have digitally by using your finger into your real physical space. So you can have a tree, a dungeon, your living room if you want, and then you can wow. just by just dragging job. There's no learning curve. There's no. Uh, there's completely easy to use. There's no. Uh, and, and then there's also like unlimited assets you can search for. Hopefully when we build a community market and stuff that you can. There's there's no issue with player agency because it core player agency uh, when you say uh, hey i don't want to go to that farm i want to go to that tavern i want to go to that castle you can just search oh tavern and you get 10 different taverns in 3d and then you can just place it onto your table virtually so that's kind of the empowerment tool i'm building given all the kind of like thinking about next generation of technology but truly like what does it make it easy for a tabletop player not just a flashy kind of gimmicky kind of thing but like hey what's really usable for tabletop gamers and what's really good for dms and players to use so that's one of the cool things we're we're, we're do, building for sure and then Rival has is also building for her season something even cooler yeah i'll let you talk about it yeah so like consider a new player right mm -hmm. um i myself like previously hadn't used like dnd beyond for like character creation or any of this stuff because like it, you know the few times i've played on and off you know we're just like kind of one-offs recently i've been using that and as a new player who's like very intimidated by all the game mechanics i get held up on all those details and then I, I get lost in those details. And part of how D&D and Beyond works, at least their character creation tool, is that it kind of intermixes and makes you uh, go back and forth between thinking about the character and like what kind of character you want, but then also considering the limitations and the requirements of like what your character level is, like what they typically have, you know, making sure you have the right number of spells and all of this stuff. So I, I was just getting very lost and constantly feeling like I was an imposter with like my role play because I wasn't getting truly into character because I was just so focused on all those details instead of embracing like the role play aspect and the character development and understanding my character's backstory and all of that because I was just so worried about the mechanics. And part of my research um, initially was to understand the importance of role play and all of that and understand sort of how role play is used and how it can be used outside the community, partially for my own game and partially <laughs> from the research. I'm like trying to build um, a character creation tool that has a separation between the game mechanics and also the character development so that we can encourage especially new players to develop better characters that maybe are going to help them or help like myself with gameplay because they really truly embody and get into the role. And what we've seen from our research is that satisfaction with gameplay is very, very closely tied with the satisfaction with role play and character development. And so that has been really cool. Um, I think I'm trying to um, go beyond just like a digital tool, like those, those things you find online when you find these flat characters and also consider it for like augmented reality where your character is literally animated and can like, you see it in 3D kind of like when you're planning a Hero Forge, you know, character, but in digital form where you have it, you know, in your living room, like Joanna said, that's like my project. And I'm very, very excited about it. So I am starting. So we've done some of the background, you know, data, data research, but there's also 
additional design research to do as I go through this, where some of the people we've spoken to previously who are professional and non-professional DMs and new players and experienced players, where we'll get their feedback on, oh, are there enough options here? Does this make sense? Is this what they want to see? And sort of have like a sample set to give us feedback on um, which is considered like design research or usability research. So there's a whole other thing. I'm a, I'm a huge design nerd. So this is amazing. <laughs> I can continue on and on. So I'll, I'll stop here. But the, it's a whole other area that is uh, fascinating. And I'm hoping to just like kind of hand it over <laughs> as a resource and be like, here you go. Like, try yeah, it out. See what it means. That, that's most of the tools we're creating right now is like, it's all free based. We want to like easy access is so important in this community. And we, when you think about like starting to play, like a lot of people don't have the budget to play. Why they choose D&D is that it, you can play for free almost. You know, you can use a digital dice simulator now. You can use everything digitally. So everything, you can literally play D&D for free. So that we want to keep it that way. We want to enhance the people's player experience, but keep it free. So that's kind of what, where we're going with all the designs we, we do uh, based on the research. But the research itself, like, you know, like it's research with good data. We, we love it so much. But at the same time, we also have this passion of like, how do we use this to now really create some solutions for people? Yeah, and I think that's what our academic program sort of um, encourages. Joanne and I both have like really cool skill sets. And the program encourages us to use those skill sets in actually taking something from a theoretical to an actual practical application. And I think that's really, really cool. And the research continues throughout. So the the data behind everything we're doing, everything's very intentional. And I think the right word to describe us is intentional. Every little thing is thought through and, you know, everything with the data is very objective and our ethics when it comes to what we're presenting and what we're doing are very important to us and very important to the integrity of the of the research and of any tools that we develop as a result of the research or continued research. Let's say it's day one. I'm in a situation where I need to start reaching out to DMs to interview. Do you just start reaching out to random people's like, hey, are you a DM? You want to come on the show? Or do you like collect a list of your yeah. friends and then your friends' friends? And then what is that process of finding people for this sample? The power of a referral is definitely really, really huge. So you always want to ask your friends who is a DM, hey, can you introduce other DMs? Or there's a lot of like Discord groups, Reddit groups, like all those Facebook groups that have a community already. When I started this research, I had another Instagram account, which I, I also make D&D related jewelry. So that kind of, I had some following there. So basically I just posted a post on there and say, hey, I'm doing this research from a school and then I need interviews. Uh, if you are DM and you are interested, please just DM me, like and talk, talk to me. And then that kind of uh, started like the first snowball rolling kind of thing, right? So we have, let's say 10 people reach out to me and say, hey, book a time to talk to me. And then we did 10 interviews. And then we say, hey, do you have friends that also does this? And then at some point we entered one pro DM, uh, Max Hobbs, awesome DM, <laughs> professional DM. Was he on and that then, Twitch interview? Yeah. Yeah, he was, there? he was on the Twitch. Yes. He also runs a podcast called Help Action Podcast, which is pretty cool. So he basically told all his friends <laughs> that who are pro, pro DM for this group. And then we have reached out to amazing group of pro DMs to give us a lot of interview feedback. And then they introduced their friends. So it's like kind of just like bigger and bigger. And then we eventually even interviewed like some writers, like actually people who write for Wizards of the Coast. And then we started interviewing pe more people. Yeah. And I think just to add on to that, like, so Joanna's experiences in like, you know, her business experiences previous to this made her very like well positioned for understanding the power of social media and referrals. And I think that um, something that helped with how we were doing the research was that Joanna had previously kind of tested all of these theories of how to reach out, reach out and build community and things 
through her business with the jewelry. And so in a sense, like I am like learning through her mentorship, like how to kind of do this. And I'm seeing how it takes step by step approaching these communities and all of this. But I think the referrals and the strength of the referrals come from our engagement and passion and authenticity that we're having when we do have those in-person connections and contacts. Because you can post a survey on Reddit or on the web and, you know, plenty of people do it. You, you see it all the time, especially if you're a school aged or, or have, you know, kids that are school aged, but what actually makes you want to fill that out is because there is some kind of personal connection or there is some kind of, um, referral from someone you value. Like there is that, that sense of like, oh, this isn't just like a random person filling it out. Now, the other flip side to that is you figure out what people like as a giveaway, (laughs) which I'm learning. You have a really cool person like Joanna, who's a very talented jewelry designer who offers something in exchange. And so you get a couple of those stragglers. But I would say what was really cool about using Instagram for a lot of what we were doing was that it is like a very visual medium for communicating the data. Mm-hmm. And the quality of the responses on Instagram was significantly better than when we just posted it on Reddit, for example. Like we, we did get a lot from Reddit, but I would say the intimacy and the enthusiasm and the true, like the people that were really willing to like go the extra mile with either an in-person conversation or even when you're answering a survey and it's an open-ended question, the details and the thought put into the answer was just so much better from the referral of the referral. We don't know all the names because everything's de-identified and, you know, all of that, but, um, we could definitely see a difference, you know, because we would see in stages like, okay, when we post on Instagram, we saw the quality of the responses. And then we post on Reddit and we were following the progression. And overall, I would say like, speaking of the most recent survey with thousands of people, there's maybe only two people in out of a, over a thousand that didn't take it seriously. Most of the we did not have to throw out very much data. And I think that's a testament to how we're engaging and the connection between Instagram for business um, versus Instagram for research, I think both of them still boil down to engagement and understanding your audience. Especially during some pandemic that the usage of social media has rise so much more because people just rely on social media, less in person, right? It's more social media contact. And then so I definitely say empower the social media, even though it sometimes can be a little bit too much, can be a little bit toxic, can be a little bit too too crazy so just like I turn off all of my notifications on social media um, just like I check whenever I feel like um, I think that's a good start but also like I, I don't know why I love Instagram more than other songs but like let's be real like it's probably an age issue because I still haven't figured out how to use TikTok right like I, I don't even know how, how to start it's probably because my generation like now Facebook is taken over by my parents' generation. And they're like, so I'm left with only Instagram to play with. So maybe it's definitely a generation song. But before all this, I was, uh, I had a, another company, which is called Voice K Media, which is Voice of Kids. Uh, so what I did was uh, basically empowering kids through journalism. My job was basically, I was connecting kids to their role models and people they want to interview. Wow. Yeah. So for example, if a kid come to me, say, I want to enter the mayor of my city. I'm the person who made that connection happen and then made the kid go to that interview and then recorded everything and then we published the article for them in the magazine or help them to create a YouTube video, whatever they feel the outlet format they want to do. So if you talk about connecting people and empowering people with connections, I'm kind of an expert, I would say, in that area because of my past experience of connecting people. How how do you go about making that connection? Because that that is huge. That is that that's kind of my thing. I love making those kind of connections, but how do you go about that? Because I agree that the power of the referral, like you were saying earlier, is huge. But how how do you go about that and doing it from a genuine perspective? Because the big thing that I see on, on my end is people will not start something because they feel like they're using someone. Yeah, it's always what you can give, up, give back to the community, right? It's kind of like no matter what is your community, right? It's always what can you give back. Uh, with the journalism, with everything, I knew I was giving... Back, I was giving the kids something. 
a moment of their lifetime to talk to their role model. I know I was uh, giving the the person I'm connecting to a chance for them to give a kid <laughs> like you know that connection and also mentor someone that young. Like usually the kids I connected to people with were seven to twelve years old, so they're younger kids. So they had like lots of interesting questions. So for example, one kid wanted to talk to an astronaut. I was like, okay. So what I did was I connect, I went to the science center. I did not know where to connect the astronaut. I cannot get their agent or anything. So I go to the science center. I know they have recently hosted the event with astronaut coming to the science center to do talks. So I connect to the PR person from the science center and say, hey, I like, I know you recently did organize this. I have this kid who wants to talk to an astronaut. Uh, is this possible? And then they're like, okay, we can. We have a talk coming up in, for example, two two weeks. And then another astronaut is going to come here and do a talk. What we can do is arrange a five minutes time for your kid to talk to this astronaut at this event. And then I was like, okay, that's good enough. So go from there. So this astronaut did not just talk to the kid for five minutes, but talked to thirty minutes. And it went on about life, went on about fear, went on about every single topic that the kid had that's kind of like the power of connection is like sometimes it's creative thinking but sometimes it's really what can you do to give back to the community in the best way you can and then involve all the resources possible to make this happen so this is kind of like sometimes you cannot go to that direct person you need the intermediate person and then that intermediate person in that case was the science center but you know it's that that kind of like who are you talking to who do you want to reach, but also what are the steps to get there? Let's get creative here. If you don't tell people your goal, you would never even get close to it. So always tell people your goal, always tell people what you want to do, and then you have a chance to get closer to it. I thought it was very interesting, your word choice, where you said, how do you convey uh, like authenticity and genuineness? And I think I think you have to genuinely be genuine <laughs> and authentic. <laughs> And so when you are, I think that does resonate with people approaching someone with the mindset that you want to pick their brain, but also like, this is what you can give back to them. If you if they do meet with you, or um, if you give them context to why you want to pick their brain, I think that that helps. And oftentimes, people will feel compelled uh, to make a connection because we are essentially people that do network. And we are all people that like, you know, connecting with others. If you see the nature of how social media is, it's all about connection. So I think just being genuine and and having a sense of humbleness and sort of how you approach talking to people. And I don't know, I don't know, we didn't really mention this, but um, uh, Dwayne and I are both from Canada originally, which like softens us. <laughs> A little bit, um, but we, so we're we, generally nice. We're just nice people. Yeah. So, we, <laughs> so we've like absorbed. We still have that Canadian side, but we've uh -huh. also absorbed yeah. We say the sorry whole, a lot. Yeah, we've absorbed <laughs> the whole New York thing too. So we have like an interesting mix of like soft and direct at the same time. Uh, I think that you have to truly be genuine. And the other piece that Joanna's kind of hinted at with creative thinking, I would say I would call myself an information junkie. And in some ways, Joanna is as well. You have to be someone that really is curious and inspired to seek information. So her understanding of PR, having studied that, and knowing that if she goes to a PR person, that is your contact, I think is creative thinking, but it's also like research and information seeking and information gathering. And I think that with how the web works now, you can really uncover a lot of contacts with people. And it's about, like she said, not being fearful to reach out and at least put it out there um, and not letting it stop you. Don't be like devious or hidden about your intents, like be very direct about the conversation. But I think that you need those two pieces. You need that piece where you're curious and inspired and information junkie-ish. And you also need the piece where um, you are genuinely genuine. Yeah, I think it's also the different term of networking. Networking makes people always feel a little bit dirty, isn't it? Like feel like you are using people up. You're you're kind of like creating a network and using people up. But I, I think if you think of the other way, not like using people, but you, not just building connection for a purpose, for intention, but you're generally just out there making a connection, making 
friend, right? So because you are giving a little piece of yourself to others, and then they are giving something back, like a little piece something back. So that's just friendship, right? That's not not networking. That's just connecting with another individual. And I think if you think of that way, it becomes less scary. And then when you think of that way, it became much more truthful. You are not using people. You are like, hey, I truly admire what you're doing, and I have something going on here. Like that's exchange information. So it's it's a bit different, I think.、Um, so and something I admire about Joanna that I feel like is another tip is that, like her story kind of indicates, she is always open and looking for opportunities. And seeing potential in things. So, to give you a practical networking example, which is more of a connection example, Joanne and I met.、Um, you know, we were both in the same program, but we took a class together. I, it's just a class. Like, you don't pay attention to like every detail that goes on in every single instance. But I'm a pretty chatty person and <laughs> participate a lot, and I'm nerd a nerd. So, you know, I would occasionally say things in class, and I wouldn't think too much of it. And somehow, me talking in class like resonated with Joanna, so that when she wanted someone to come, you know, collaborate with her on this research and on all of these journeys, she like approached me. Now we had never spoken more than a few words of, oh, I like your necklace, or oh, like what do you think about this assignment? But somehow she saw potential in those interactions, and a friendship developed, and a connection was made. And I think that that's a really cool example of networking, which is that you kind of have to see opportunity in everything, and just know that you're always making some kind of impression. How much D and D did you guys actually play in order to do research, or or at any point did D and playing D and D become part of the research development? Oh. Yes, Joanna. She is known for the person in the friend group that lures people to her apartment before COVID, and like forces D and D and other tabletop games down their throat. Yeah, she did not let me work with her until she reinvigorated my passion and interest for D and D. You know why I make D and D jewelry? Because with this、uh, design, I can wear a necklace and I can. The D twenty out. So that's what I do. I parties. I go to a friend's party before COVID. I go to a friend's par- party, and then I was like, "Have you heard about D and D? Oh, you haven't? Let me show you how it works." And then I open my necklace, and then I I play a game with them. Like, okay, here is an encounter. I'll tell you how it works. It's just basically like kind of like interactive role play. I want to give you. I want to give you a、uh, a credit here. So Joanna wasn't multitasking during the Twitch interview stream, but I was multitasking after I finished, you know, my question part, and I was looking at the chat. And I just want to say that you commented multiple times, <laughs> and were very, very active. Not only that, but you also posted a photo of the Twitch stream to Instagram at the same time. And I like, you know, that. Just genuinely being an active member of like the experience and like not being a passive participant, I think also goes to networking. And it just like I was like Joanna, there's this guy. He's like business RPG. She's like Ravel. That's who we're talking to on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh right, okay. So like it just like made the contact. And I think you were just like very memorable with your participation. You need to like、um, showcase to the rest of your audience is that you yourself are very good at networking. At the behest of my guest, I will include this moment in the final cut. What are some goals that you guys have actually achieved? You know, from okay, this is a goal we had when we started, and we we achieved it. It's 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 off our bucket list. And then, what are some that you have for the next about twelve months that that you'd really like to see happen? Rival know me. I'm very specific about achieving goals on time. <laughs> so, so um, like my initial goal was、uh, do a survey with a hundred people, which have achieved. <laughs> that that was like from 2019 when I first started the research, you know. And then then I was like, oh, I want to talk to a hundred DM achieved, and then talk analyze their. Their experiences, which which we did, and then I was like, okay, I want to give back to the community by creating a tool or design a tool that's going to help all the D and D players. And then so that was the kind of like the AR 
augmented reality app we're talking about. So that's in the production. We're hoping to to maybe like do something with a launcher Kickstarter. So that's that's kind of in the going. So for the next for the next uh twelve for the twelve next twelve months, uh, I would like to expand the research. Like this year's like so two thousand twenty uh my goal was to beyond move the research beyond just D and D but to the whole tabletop RPG community, which we have. I think the the goal right now is focusing on, we finished the kind of data research part. We're focusing on design solution part, right? So that's kind of what this year's goal is, is to make that solution as best solution as possible the DID community has ever seen. But we're also, of course, we want to, next thing we also want to do is to expand that research partnership beyond the NYU, because we started with the NYU community. Uh, now we want to go to other universities because we know there are other universities, people starting the same sign or similar similar topics. We want to kind of join force together to make this community much bigger. And eventually we hope to be at some of the conventions and conferences to talk about this research uh, to a wider audience. So that's the goal for 2021. Revolted and miss anything. <laughs> yes, yes, you. Okay, so something else that Joanna's thesis last year culminated um, in a uh, educational research presentation at a conference in June, um, based on this research. There's different angles to it. You know, we had we had a conference under our belt, so that was cool. So conventions definitely are a cool next step, um, just because that's like another way to kind of present. But I think that honestly, the only goal I have to add to this is me uh, completing on time, which is my issue, um, my my own thesis and my own character creation um, tool and everything. And you mentioned wanting to know where we were at uh, before we get there. Well, I am supposed to be graduating in May. So I have till May to build this. So I will keep you posted. It's a tight timeline, but all very, very exciting. So where, where can people find you guys? Best is on Instagram uh, at dnd.research. And we are actually building a website as we speak, Rival <laughs> is on it. So uh, we will have a website soon and then we will send you the link once our website is up. That does it for this interview, guys. If you would like to follow and ask Joanna and Ravella any questions, I left links to their Instagram and website in the show notes below. They also have a newsletter that you can sign up for and get in your email on a regular basis. If you would like to be a part of their work, the research.dnd team is looking for people to test run a demo of the augmented reality D&D app Joanna mentioned earlier in the show. I'll have a link to that in the description below as well, and you might even see me there if we sign up for the same session. Next episode comes out Monday morning, bright and early. I'll have a special guest on who I connected with through Peak Bumpkin, the Twitch streamer from my first interview. So if you are a gamer with questions about Twitch, or if you're a streamer looking for a mentor, next week's episode will be major for you. As always, if you want to get a hold of me, you can follow me on Instagram at businessrpg. I appreciate those who have reached out randomly and just told me their thoughts on the show. It's been amazing to wake up and see those messages in the morning. Thank you so, so much, guys. If you aren't subscribed yet, be sure you take care of that right now. And until next time, I hope you enjoy.